Hey everyone, uh, it's Troy from Anti-Art. Ryan's unable to make today's recording. Um, I think his mic broke or his mic did break. And yeah, uh, you know, like the show must go on, am I right? Like, <laughs> fuck it, we'll do a live. But um, yeah, so today um, I'm going to go over some like kind of like newsy stuff, some stuff, whatever that I feel like talking about because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all me. In fact, um yeah, I've never done a podcast like by myself with uh, no one else to really talk to. So I'm going to try to talk as much as I can just so there's no awkward silences. Um, okay, so first off, since Ryan's not here and I can kind of rant about whatever I want, I kind of want to rant about how I feel like we're so addicted to fucking nostalgia that it's just like not even – cool anymore i mean it, it, like i don't say if it ever was but i'm I'm just trying to say that like nostalgia like i think like we're all just kind of so desperate about it like um for example like you know uh top gun is coming out soon uh a lot of people like the first movie i mean i personally haven't seen it but if you have kudos to you if you're excited good for you you know, in fact, they pushed that movie out because it was supposed to come out last year, but they pushed it out to this year because of uh, COVID. And, you know, they wanted to get everyone in the theaters to watch it so they can make it as much money as they can, which is going to be a recurring theme among all the things I'm talking about. So bear with me. So the next movie um, that I'm going to kind of talk about is uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, I don't know if, like, a lot of you guys saw that Um but, you know, like, I, I consider myself kind of a Marvel fan. Uh, I've seen the movies, uh, the TV shows. Um, definitely lacking in some of them just because how the fuck are you supposed to keep up with that storyline for so long? But I think that I've just noticed, especially, like, on Twitter recently, um, when that movie came out, uh, I'm about to say, I'm going to talk a little bit of spoilers, so I might want to skip, like, maybe, like, a minute or so, but... In Doctor Strange, there's a cameo of Mr. Fantastic, uh, who's played by John Krasinski. And ever since I saw that, I started seeing clips and clips of the original Fantastic Four movies. And, like, on Twitter. And I really just don't understand why. (laughs) I mean, not a sense of, like, why isn't, like, why do people, like, like are fans of the movie, but, like, I guess not many people were when it first came out. In fact, it, I think it was supposed to be, like, a third one supposed to come out, but just, like, since it kind of sucked, <laughs> nobody even fucking, like, cared if the third one was coming out. Like, I just saw it on, on Twitter, and it's just, like, people were remembering that movie with such nostalgia and, and that it was, like, so good and that they really enjoyed it, but, you know, in reality, that's <laughs> it just wasn't the case. Like, same thing with, like, Star Wars, right? So, like, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show is coming out, and uh, it's focusing, I think it's, like, right after the prequels. So, I think it's, like, the movies that came out in, like, the 2000s. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is about to go into hiding and stuff, so, the, you know, he, uh, E. McGregor's in it, and then Hayden, whatever the fuck that guy's name was, who played Anakin, is going to be in it as well. And now, like, I feel like there's going to be, like, so many clips of just, like, the old movie of being like, oh, I loved it. Oh, like I'm like I don't know why everyone hated it. Oh, they should have done like another one. But like, let's just be real with ourselves. Like th- those movies fucking sucked. Like <laughs> they-, they weren't good. And so I don't know why like people are going to convince themselves that they were good. I mean, if you don't believe me, just wait for like a week or wait until the show comes out, and then your timeline's gonna be fucking filled with prequel star wars memes and clips and stuff being like oh this fight the high ground was fucking fantastic i oh my god cinematic masterpiece blah 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 you'll fucking see what i'm trying to say and like another thing too that i just like also saw like a little briefly was that uh the pirates of the caribbean uh movies they're gonna come back and i think margot robbie is going to be the star of it so my question is, why and who fucking asked for another fucking uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie? You know, and plus Johnny Depp's probably not even going to be in it because of the whole trial thing and with the whole Amber Heard uh, trial that's going on. Like, it's, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. That trilogy was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I actually enjoyed those uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. But it's just like, I think, like, nostalgia is just being sold now. Like, I think we're all just eating too many memberries. We're all just getting too into, 
reliving our past, reliving our childhood, reliving the excitement, maybe back in the day, and pumping it out again and again and again. But it's just like, why can't we just have new and original content, new and original movies and TV shows? Like, I don't understand why there needs to be, like, re-versions of movies that came out of the past. I mean, I feel like we have this conversation, like, every single year. I feel like this happens... Every single time, like it's like like a new sequel or a new like show or a new anything comes out, it's always fucking about a movie or a TV show that came out in like the two thousands or the nineties or the eighties even because you know speaking of Top Gun, so like I don't know like when are we all gonna start moving on, but like c- kind of like to go back to the Pirates of the Caribbean and how the new ones coming out and the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. Um, what the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> not not to sound like a, like a dickhead or anything, but it's just like, like, ever since that trial happened, right? Like, everyone's been kind of tuned in. Like, I get it's a very public trial. It's about, you know, the defamation of Johnny Depp that Amber Heard um, did back during the Me Too movement. And it's just like... Like, that is a trial about that, but also about the domestic abuse that she put him through. In fact, like, she cut off his fucking finger. Uh, I mean, of course, like, you know, allegedly, I about to say, allegedly, allegedly an accident. Um, And, like, they got in, like, I've listened to a few clips, like, they've really gotten at it with each other. Like, fucking fighting each other, banging cabinets threatening violence, like, threats of just, like, cursing. Like, it it really sounds like a real-life We Cry Together song. (laughs) Oh, my God. It it really does kind of sound like that. And ever since that trial started happening, like, like, I've just noticed that a lot of my content on my timeline is a lot of the Amber um, Heard-Johnny Depp trial, which I think is kind of fucked up, um, personally. Uh, I think it's very fucked up how, like, that trial, like, it's kind of, like, kind of breaking everyone's brains, thinking that it's okay to, like, spoof Amber Heard and and shit. I mean, of course, like, like, fuck her. Like, she's fucking the worst. But it's just, like, it is a trial of domestic abuse. Like, that's what it is. I think we should somewhat respect that because I think it's just, like, like, in this age where news and content are just like the same thing, I think it's kind of hard to separate like what truth is with what what a joke is. Um, like I know like Ryan and I we talked like off pod. Um, he sent me a post. I, I forget what, which account it was. I think it was like a rap gene, not rap genius, a, a rap, uh, you know, rap TV type of thing. You know how they always put like fake news and stuff. And it was a post about King Von's mom. And how she's aging gracefully. But it's just like, one, like, who asked? <laughs> Two, why the fuck is this important? Like, why why, why do I need to know that she's aging gracefully? Like, like uh, let, let her do her. Like, I, I don't want to, like, you know, be talking about, like, a dead rapper's mother. You know what I mean? Like, like what am I supposed to do? Like... Like, like, see that pose of her aging gracefully and just be like, yeah, she's fucking aging gracefully. Oh, my God, I fucking can't wait. To, you know what I mean? Like, I can't wait for the fucking OnlyFans. Like, no, <laughs> that's fucking ridiculous. I think it's just so fucking stupid. And I think that, like, content is just getting, like, to the point. Well, the news is getting to a point where it's just content. But it's not even, like, like that's what it's supposed to be like. Like, content's supposed to be for fun. Like... Like, what Ryan and I do for anti-art, right? Like, like we try not to be too political, but, like, you know, music in itself is a political thing. A lot of political statements. I mean, I'll go over that, too, when we talk about the Kendrick album. But, like, I feel like we don't really go around and be like, this is wrong, this is right. We need to have an opinion about political subjects just because that's what's selling and everybody needs to be on, like, the political train. I mean... Like, it, I don't know. Uh, for me, like, I just feel like it's just not a good way of doing content slash news. You know, like, we need to kind of, like, unbreak our brains to realize that, like, reality is different than what's online. That, like, you know, it, it, if somebody sees something or or d- sees something fucked up, we should know, like, 
that's fucked up. It, that's not content, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, and c- kind of like to, to, to go... <laughs> sorry. This whole, Most of this episode will be me ranting because um, just me ranting into the fucking void just to see how it goes uh, for this episode. But, um, like, another thing that I fucking hated, too, about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial was the... was a lot of the TikToks, you know, especially, like, Lance Bass. Like, I saw one that he did where it was, like, he was just, like, pretty much just doing... You know that, like, um, way that TikTok uh, does it where... You can, like, just move your mouth, pretend you're talking, and just use somebody else's audio. Well, he did that, like, with Amber Heard, but doing, like, in stupid poses and shit, just basically making fun of her. Which, I mean, yeah, like, fuck her, but also, like, like, can we not? And, like, it, it's so bad that even SNL <laughs> made, a, made a sketch on it. And, like, I, if you guys really want to watch, like, bad content, like, watch that fucking sketch. It just, it is awful. Like it, it's pretty much like about like um, they're at the the trial and um, like Johnny's on the stand and uh, Cecily Strong is the judge and like you know they're like they're like oh we have like this new evidence like uh, like let's put on the evidence and and then like it's the video of um, their like I don't know their landskeeper I guess the Johnny Depp's landskeeper discovering that uh, Amber Heard took a shit in the bed. Yeah, and then, like, Cecily Strong is just like, oh, yeah, this trial's for fun anyways. Like, like it's just for fun. This is a fun trial. Everything about it's fun. It's funny. But it, it you know, it's not funny, Cecily. <laughs> it, it, it's really just, like, not. It's about domestic abuse um, that Johnny Depp had to endure um, while he was together with Amber Heard. And, I mean, <laughs> I will say it is... Like, poop is funny, I guess, you know, if you're, like, a child. But, like, I just don't get it. Like, especially on, like, SNL. Like, that used to be really funny with, like, with smart jokes. But ever since the pandemic, like, it really broke their brains as well. Like, you know, making, like, uh, Herman Cain jokes right after he fucking died. Um, Now they're making fun of this trial. And, like, it just doesn't make sense because, like, I mean, if you do even make the argument that the trial is funny, right, then why would you make a sketch about something that's already funny? (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like that's, like, one of the reasons, too, like, how it broke SNL's brain, especially, like, having Trump as president. Because, like, you know, Trump, like, first of all, don't get me wrong. Trump is an awful guy, awful president. Everything he did was awful. But my man was funny on Twitter, and that was the only thing. Um, So... SNL took like his funny tweets and tried to make jokes on something that's already funny. It's like laughing at a clown, but like not even laughing at a clown. It's making jokes about laughing at a clown. Like it, it's too meta. It's too like it doesn't work well together. And it just I don't know. It just didn't really sit right with me. I, I didn't really think that like it was that funny. I remember like watching it on Twitter for the first time. Like that SNL sketch with the poop and Amber Heard and. I literally just watched it in silence. <laughs> I didn't even fucking laugh. I was like in my cubicle at work, and I'm just like, man, this thing fucking sucks. Like, this is the worst writing ever. Like, it's like like their writers just go on Twitter and just see what everyone's talking about, and then they just like make jokes off those tweets. It it, it really is just like lazy, uh, and it, I don't think it's gonna be better anytime soon. Um, but. Kind of segueing into like mainstream media stuff, like like SNL and entertainment. Um, Kendrick Lamar dropped his what is his fourth studio album or fifth? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but like Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers finally came out after five years of waiting patiently or impatiently. We finally got the the Kendrick Lamar album, and I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> I mean, no, I do because you know it's a it's a podcast and everything. But I I feel like like this um, album like it's like Kendrick kind of grew up. You know what I mean? Of like now that like he it's been five years since his last album. Uh, he is together with I think his girlfriend. I'm not sure if they're married and they have two kids. So he he's a family man now. Uh, so he's definitely trans like his life transitioned to a totally different chapter in his life, and 
it's very interesting just hearing this point of view from Kendrick because um, every album, it's very political. It's very uh, about like social issues. It's it's very big. Like, and he's able to condense really big subjects that do with like racism in this country and put it in a nice artistic way to make it relatable and easier to understand. I think. Um, but like, yeah, I think that uh, this album he really focuses on kind of just like being a better father. Uh, you know, talking about generational trauma that 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 his family goes to, which I'll go into once we go farther down uh, when I go talk about the track listing. And it's kind of refreshing, I guess. Um, it's it's definitely a new perspective that I wasn't really expecting. Uh, you know, from the last podcast, uh, I thought that this album was going to be like, damn, uh, I knew it would be uh, very COVID centric just because like Kendrick is a very like, like, I see this going on. I'm going to talk about it. So that's why, like, I, I figured it was a COVID thing. But like, yeah, so COVID's like kind of like all over this album. And yeah, it, it's done in a very interesting way. Um, the The production for me. Like, beat-wise, I don't really think it was too, too crazy. Uh, some songs are better than others. Um, but, like, like part of that, I think, like, is just because Kendrick had so much to say on this album. Um, it's very lyrically heavy. Like, like I, I remember, like, when this album first dropped, right? Like, I, like, typically if an album drops, I'll, like, put it on while I work or something. But this... I waited. I waited until after work. I waited until I was alone. I could listen to it by myself. I can actually give it a fair shake. Because a Kendrick Lamar album is kind of like reading a novel. Where, like, if you space out for, like, a second, like, reading it or listening to it, you will you have to go back to be like, oh, what did he say? Oh, I totally missed that. I'm like, huh? Like, you know, like, like, like when you read a novel, right? And like, you're halfway through the page, and you're just like, "Fuck!" I did not pay attention to a single word that I read, even though you felt like you read it, you experienced it. You didn't really experience it, or even divulge into like the topics. Um, which is one thing I'll say with this album too is that like, it, I would not introduce like if somebody was just like, "Oh, who who's Kendrick Lamar?" Like, I've never heard his music. I don't think I would play them this album um, just because of how dense it is. Because um, it also, I feel like um, it's a very unique type of Kendrick. Um, just compared to the single track that came out, uh, The Hard Part 5, um, I knew that he was going to talk uh, probably, you know, about you know racism, which he usually talks about. I knew he was going to talk about celebrities and pop culture and this and that, like from from that video. But first of all, that, that song is not on this album, which you know I really don't mind because like listening through it, like it really wouldn't really mesh well with this album, but. It definitely takes a different uh, artistic approach um, to from that single. So, just to get into to the album, uh, the first song, uh, "United in Grief," um, I really liked it. I really liked the beginning. Um, you know, I really hope you find your peace of mind. Like that, that shit was sounded really good to me. Uh, you can tell that Kendrick has been going through it. Um, he even knows the exact length of when the last time he dropped his album, uh, talking about like, oh, I went, like, I've been, he's, I'm not going to lie. Like I've been going through it. It's been like 1855 days, uh, or whatever. But like, um, in this, like, like there's a lot of piano sounds in it too. Um, which makes it sound like pretty great. Um, like he also says that he, like, he's been going to therapy uh, but not not for um to get like you know shit off his chest, but just going to therapy just so he can debate all of his theories and sharing it with his therapist so he can like kind of debate his therapist. It's it's, it's kind of funny because it's just like you, like just paying somebody money to just like to, to argue with. <laughs> I mean, I kind of hope that we could do that, <laughs> but like you know like not not to like a therapist, but um yeah like he um. He talks, too, about, like, kind of just, like, how, like, he feels like he's in a point of his life where, um, where, like, stuff, 
doesn't really make him happy anymore. Like buying a ton of stuff, like buying like a Range Rover, buying the um a G wagon, like like even donating money back to people in his neighborhood. In fact, there's like a song on here too where he talks about where like uh he had a food drive in Compton and it didn't really give him that much joy. In fact, like he was kind of numb. I mean, like which I mean I'm not gonna say I understand that entirely just because I never buy like really nice stuff for myself but yeah i think material stuff definitely doesn't really help like morale you know um but i'm surprised that like not even like donating money or giving back to the community also gave any fulfillment like i think that's a very interesting side of kendrick that we never heard which which another theme too throughout this album is that he is not afraid to be honest anymore um, he wants to be honest with us, his fans, uh, the people listening, which is why I think like this album is for us and not really for like the average listener. Um, yeah. So going on to the next track, uh, N95, um, the, I, I like how the beginning of this track too, uh, like, hello, new world, you know, they still lie to us, like. Like, kind of just, like, a reference to um, COVID as a whole and kind of the U.S. government's uh, approach to it. Um, saying how, like, we're in this new world that um, we never asked for and that um, they're still lying to us. Like, they're not telling us the truth about some stuff and that the Biden administration isn't really doing much now to help people who are still affected by COVID. I mean, COVID still exists. In fact, we're still having a surge now. Uh, at least that's what I hear. Um, I mean, in fact, some people I even know were affected by COVID personally. Um, like pretty, uh, actually, I think it was today. Um, when I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So yeah, COVID's still around. So everyone be safe. Still wash your hands, you know, like, wear a mask if you feel comfortable doing that if you don't want to wear a mask just please be fully vaccinated um yeah i think uh what is it uh he then tells us like um that like he has a big list of things that like to take off like take off like expensive jewelry take off the memes take off the fake uh the the fake deep take off the woke fake like like i i, I like how like he's kind of calling it out now because, like, I remember, like, when, like, 2020 happened and the George Floyd uh, murder happened, everybody was posting about it. Everybody kind of used it as an opportunity to be like, hey, I'm a good person. I, I, I posted the black square. I, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I'm not t- you know what I mean though it's, it's just like it seems like everybody's just like kind of using it uh for an example of just like showing how woke they are and he's just like he challenges you and says like hey take away all that fake bullshit that that you believe online and actually do something real with it like like what do you what what what's left what is left of uh, of you if you take away all this fake shit um, the chorus is, is kind of, kind of nice too. Um, it, it's more lively, which I appreciate than the first song, you know, when he's just like, you ugly as fuck, you in a pocket, like uh, that, like, uh, you know, it, it sounds nice. And, and the, the production on here is pretty sweet too. Um, he even has some of his pretty good lyrics too. Like, uh, the profits abandon the law, take advantage. The market is crashing. The industry wants blank and bitches to sleep in a box. And they're making a mockery following us. This ain't Monopoly. Watching for love. This ain't monogamy. Y'all getting fucked. Uh, <laughs> I really like that line. Especially like this ain't monogamy. Um, y'all getting fucked. Just because like, yeah, we're getting fucked on like every single angle of this COVID stuff. Like we're told to believe in this and that's not true. Or like it didn't work out. Or they're like, it's just like, I feel like there's like, like this pandemic really exposed the pitfalls of the society we're living in now you know not to sound too much of like we live in a society but we do and shit did not work out like the bag was pretty fumbled um and then he mentions like um how like all of our profits and people who are supposed to like care about us like kind of like abandon us like all of our profits like just dipped like, like uh, everyone that we looked up to, they they just were just hiding in their homes. Like, like all these celebrities who are out and about, being like 
social justice people like they were kind of like like the best we got was just them singing imagine and then like he also mentions too like how the industry is still like even though like shit's fucking stopped like you know the industry is going to keep trying to make money um by any means necessary like like kind of just like how um people look and uh, the tiktok dances i remember like uh there was one week during the pandemic of the uh, black content creators um decided that they weren't going to be making any more tiktok dances like at least for like that week or or month or so and like white tiktok kind of just <laughs> lost their minds <laughs> and tried to come up with the dances by themselves and they all look corny as fuck because like I think, like, he was just saying that, like, uh, a lot, like, TikTok itself was kind of just, like, a culture built on taking black uh, culture, but just putting a a white face on it and just saying that it's new. Uh, Like, it it just seems like, 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 TikTok kind of just, like, took advantage of that and, you know, I don't want to point any fingers of anyone who's, like, TikTok famous or anything, but, you know, come on with some original content. Maybe shit would be better. And I like how the song ends too. Like it's a pretty deep. Um, it's pretty dope. Uh, it sounds like like he's kind of like having a like Jesus moment. Like it's very like dark and heavy, uh, which I really appreciate. Uh, Worldwide Steppers, the next song on here. Um, it, it talks about um, since he has kids, like like how he feels numb to like the world's problems and not, not like like I guess like having kids for him. Uh, it really switched up his whole mentality of just like these kids are the most important things in my life, which you know I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like he still talks about like how like he's still dealing with his own vices as well, um, which is another kind of like a theme on this album is that Kendrick's always talking about like his vices, um, like saying how like like he's still like texting other chicks, like he's still like trying to fuck around, he's still trying to um, like <laughs> you know like be be a hoe in the streets, which. You know, like, I don't know his relationship with, with uh, his baby mama or girlfriend or wife or whoever. Um, to be honest, like, I, I didn't really feel like looking into that because I feel like, like, one of the things is, like, his personal relationship isn't really, like, for us to fucking judge or for even, like, to, to comment on. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But, um, but like, in that song, too, like, like he has a really funny line, too, about how, like, the first time he was, like, fucking a, a white girl was in the Palisades. Um, <laughs> and in that song, too, later, like, he's, like, the way he saw that was just, like, it was kind of, like, revenge. Because the girl he was fucking, her dad was the sheriff in the town. And his, and the sheriff has his uncle locked up. <laughs> so, in his head, he was just, like, oh, it's, like, kind of, like, revenge. Like, I feel like... <laughs> It's kind of revenge for uh, looking up his uncle, and then Kodak Black um has a little bit, a little bit of a cameo, I guess, on here, which which is another person which I just would not expect to be on this album, having Kodak Black so on so many songs too, just like him talking, and then like him on the Rich interlude, and then him on this song uh, Silent Hill. It, he's a very interesting rapper to have on this album. Like, definitely um, out of right field. But I'll explain, I guess, a little why it makes a little sense, or at least in the sense that Kendrick was rapping in. Um, and then, like, I also like the sample to use on, on this song, uh, Worldwide Steppers, of just that, um, that, hey, yo, what the fuck meme. Like, when it's like, what the fuck? Like, I'll play a little clip, too, just so you guys know what I'm saying. Hey, yo, what the fuck? But, like... After hearing that meme, like, I just, like, one time, like, when I was listening to it, I'm just, I can't stop thinking about that dude at that barbecue (laughs) fucking talking about cheese and shit. Like, (laughs) I don't know, just, like, but that's just a stupid thing that that I go through. If if you didn't think about that, then good for you. You, (laughs) good for you. Um, On the next song, uh, Die Hard, um, this definitely sounds like the most pop song on this album it's it's very interesting whenever kendrick does like a song talking about love because it's just like he he just raps about like so many deep subjects and does it in a way where it's like super serious where like i feel like there's no much room for him to explore this lane 
but I do appreciate when he does. Um, I know he did a lot, like, on Damn, like, on that song, Love. And I'm glad to see that he's still kind of keeping it going on Die Hard. I think, um, let's say, I'm probably going to murder these names uh, because Ryan's not here to correct me because I cannot say a single name correctly. Um, but I really enjoyed the, the Blixt and Amanda Reefer um, on this album, on this song. Like, I, I like uh, kind of like the bubbly uh, take that they have on here. It really brightens up the song. Um Plus, like, Kendrick, like, like on here, he's talking about his insecurities with women, about how he has a hard time opening up and trusting them. Um, and, I don't know, just, like, a really good give and take with uh, these three on this song. Like, since, um, like, Amanda's um, part of the chorus, like, it's just so bubbly and just so light. And then Kendrick's like, oh, like, I'm having a hard time trusting women, like, like opening myself, being myself. Uh, what if what if I told you who I am? Like, would you use that against me? Like, <laughs> like, it just seems like, like this past trauma, which is also, like, another theme on this album, um, it just flows in nicely with this track, um, which brings me to, like, the, the next song about, uh, <laughs> about generational trauma, uh, Father Time. Uh, Father Time... Uh, for me, it was it was very interesting to hear Kendrick really talk about his dad, um, because I feel like in the past, like he mostly just talked about his dad in ways that are, um, you know, kind of goofy. <laughs> like on uh, Good Kid, Bad City, when he talked about his dad, or even had his dad's like voicemails and and uh, sound bites, like he he just sounds like a goofy dude. But um, I, I like how, like, in this song, um, how he's able to, like, talk about, like, his personal issues uh, with his relationship with his father and how that relationship kind of made him the person he grew up to be. Uh, Sampha on the chorus sounds great, and I like um, how they equate, like, kind of just, like, like bottling up emotions uh, to liquor. Like, 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 your emotions are bottled. Like, how do you like it? Neat. Bottled neat. I like how, uh, in that metaphor too, just like how, like, um, like Kendrick's father, like, kind of pushed his values of like you need to be as masculine as you can, and do not show any weakness, like pretty much like like toxic masculinity traits uh, as a whole. But like now, Kendrick kind of like realized that maybe that shit was pretty toxic. There's a part in the song too, uh, which kind of like explains a little bit of the character of Kendrick's dad. Um, it was like right after that his, Kendrick's grandmother died, so his mother died, and Kendrick says in a line, um, his mama died, I asked him why he's going back to work so soon, his first reply was, son, that's life, the bills got no silver spoon. And I mean, can you really blame a guy for having father issues if your father is like that? Like, his mother just died, he doesn't even have, grieve over his, his dead mother, he just is like... Well, that's shit. Like, you know, that that's reality. We just got to keep moving. Keep moving along. Uh, we, like, I got to go to work. I got to get these bills paid. I got to fucking do something to provide for this family now. No time to process anything. Which, like, which <laughs> kind of makes sense of why Kendrick was very perplexed. Because um, farther down the song, when he has a line of, like, when Kanye got back with Drake, I was slightly confused. Guess I'm not mature as I think. Got some healing to do. Um, it makes a lot of sense now because, like, in the, the context of the track, uh, it seems like Kendrick's dad raised Kendrick to be super competitive and that, like, do whatever you can to win. That you need to be the best at, at something. So seeing like these two guys who've been competing with each other for years, uh, you know, bury the hatchet. Like, it's very interesting just seeing like them bury the hatchet and kind of like make a truce um i guess that's why kendrick really was so confused because in his thought process that that would never happen for two men to do like to, to settle their differences in a somewhat peaceful way um but it seems like having kids really changed kendrick's view on this um on this track and as the rap game as a whole which then goes to the next song uh rich interlude uh which is Brought to you by Kodak Black, um, a very interesting figure to have on this project. Um, it seems like uh, Kodak's uh, big 
part of this interlude was about like respect and how like Kendra gets so much respect but Kodak gets doesn't get any. But I mean, like in Kodak's view, it's like the both went through so much pain and so many obstacles. Um, they came from similar neighborhoods. They had similar upbringings, and you know they're both fathers now. But they're treated so differently in media and um, in mainstream media. But like, it, I don't know. It's kind of kind of hard for me to accept that, just because of Kodak Black and Kendrick. Like, I guess on paper they're very similar, uh, but like in reality of just like their lives, like they live their lives very differently. <laughs> I mean, Kendrick uh, is Kendrick Lamar. Like he, like will donate money. He'll show up to charities. Well, I mean, I guess Kodak did that too. But I mean, Kodak is like you know. You, he goes around calling himself like a super gremlin. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just hard for, I guess, firstly for me, which is like my problem. It's just hard for me to like accept Kodak as a big person in the like culture movement. I mean, like, plus if you look at like other factors in his life, like the whole like Lotto, um, like feature thing where if Lotto didn't have sex with him, he was going to put her on the album uh and plus like he had like kodak had like a rape charge too back in the day and it's just like i don't know like kendrick never had those things so i guess it's easier to make him a hero and vilify kodak black you know because just like his checkered past is just like i don't know like some things it's it's harder to look by which is what he's asking us to do which i no i'm good um Rich Spirit, too. Um, I mean, this song is kind of just like, you know, it, it reminded me of, like, the previous songs that he had on here of it just, like, you know, about, like, uh, people flexing online, everyone wants clout, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I thought the beat was a little abysmal, but, you know, it, it's okay. It was an okay track. Um, none of these tracks are, like, really bad. I, I personally enjoyed this album a lot. Uh, I'll tell you more when I do the final grade. Um but like then it's just like my favorite song on this album, uh, "We Cried Together." Whew! Oh my god, this track! Like first of all, like I feel like I've never heard of a track like this. Um, it the track's about like Kendrick is arguing with um, his girlfriend or wife, um, who's being who's played by uh, Taylor Page, and. Taylor Page's performance on this track was incredible. Um, her raspy voice—I mean, it kind of sounded like Rico Nasty at times, but like I thought that like she killed it. In fact, like it, I, I thought she was more believable than Kendrick on this track. Like that they were actually arguing. Plus, like the beat was produced by um, the Alchemist, so you know it's really good. It has like that luxurious sound and piano. Um, and then hearing these, like, this, like, really vicious fight between these two, which is so entertaining, uh, maybe it's because my love of trash TV or something, <laughs> I just really enjoyed it, but, um, like, the, plus, like, the chorus, too, is really interesting to me, like, them yelling, uh, fuck you at each other is just, like, fantastic to me, like, like, it, it seems like they're at a point in their relationship where it's just, like, just completely toxic and just off the rails, and there's, like, you know, no time to be um, civil at all, um, which I really appreciate, <laughs> at least on this track. Maybe not in real life, um, but yeah. I, I plus like that their digs at each other were just so good and so toxic. Like, I, like I was dying. Like when she said that um, she like you know should have found like a bigger dick, and like how she was doing that, she's like, I should have found a bigger dick. Like. <laughs> I can just see that happening, like, in, like, a parking lot or something. And then, like, I like how, like, um, after, like, every dig, too, um, whenever, like, they could tell that the person receiving the dig was pissed off, the person who, like, did the dig was laughing because, like, they were just, like, like a little victory. Like, fuck yeah. I got, like, see? You're mad. Huh? You're mad. <laughs> you know, which, like, if, like, if I was in an argument with somebody... And if they said something to piss me off, and then they're like, oh, shit, like, see, I pissed you off. Like, that shit would piss me off <laughs> even more. And then, uh, like, she goes into more, like, uh, kind of like in the second verse, like, they go more, like, societal stuff. Uh, talk about, like, Harvey Weinstein and R. Kelly. Talking about, like, how, like, 
Kendrick Lamar's the reason why um, people didn't recognize that R. Kelly's like like actions were abusive. But um, but then like Kendrick kind of like shuts that shit down by just saying like, yeah, but you're still playing his music, which I think is very fair to say because like I think in today's society, it's like everybody loves to talk shit about somebody's past or their like shit that they do illegally, but they're not willing to give up the the music. Um, what's kind of popped my head right now is kind of like six nine when he was really big. Um, at the time, of course now like he, he fucking sucks. So it's just it's really easy for, to give up that music. Like I have no problem. But back in the day, like you know, people had issues with him and loved him. Um, people were willing to overlook it. Kanye looked overlooked it. Uh, was featured on two of his songs. Nicki Minaj was was featured on two of his songs. Like it's just weird how how that happened. And then like um. Kendrick tries to, like, do digs, too, just being, like, oh, like, um, it's just, like, uh, like, fucking women, too, are having all these issues and stuff, like, like, having, like, female friendship and shit, like, uh, like, talking about how, like, jealous she gets, and just saying that, like, oh, like, you know, when your friend got a man, you don't fucking contact them again, you know, your other friend got a job, and you're, like, I'm not going out, like, saying that she was just so jealous that, like, she's not, uh, happy for her friends, so they were just like, and then like uh, it kind of like ro- evolved into um, like R and B bitches don't feature each other on their songs, which I don't think it's tr- true. I mean, it, I guess it's true to um, an extent of where yeah, maybe like like back in the day because I remember when Cardi B first came out, um, it was either your team Cardi B or team Nicki Minaj. Like that, you could you could listen to both their music for some reason. Um, where like I I kind of see that where, uh, but I think it's just like the rap game as a whole of just like there always has to be one person who's the best and everyone else who like who's second. Um, yeah, very good song. I fucking love it. Um, and I love how they end it with them like fucking their problems away. Um with them like having sex at the end um i know like after like a heated argument like i've had like with like some past ex and exes and stuff like where it got so toxic we're just like like you know only the physical stuff is the only thing that we have in common now like none of the emotional shit's gone and that's when you kind of know like the relationships kind of run its track um and i like how the song completely ends with um the stop tap dancing around the conversation um which is a pretty big theme throughout this album as well, where Kendrick is stop, he's not tap dancing around the conversation, or he's willing to have it. Then it goes to Purple Hearts. Um, uh, Purple Hearts, I thought, was pretty interesting. It was a conclusion of just one uh, on this album. The production was pretty smooth with the boom bap pianos. Um, the, like the song kind of sounds like a, another typical like love song by Kendrick, um, but with some hard lines on the chorus and. With some lovey-dovey stuff as well. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like like an old school Maybach music. If that makes any sense. If, if anyone's feeling me. Like let me know. Um, but yeah. like uh, Also like uh, there's a lot of like COVID references on this track. And um, yeah. Which is I'm just like okay. I mean you know. I'll give Kendrick uh, the pass. The COVID pass. Because you know. It has been a while since he dropped his album. But it does got me thinking. Like he probably did a bulk of this shit when COVID hit. <laughs> but um yeah and that was a nice feature by summer walker and ghostface killer uh i really liked his religious verse as well uh count on me or i'm sorry uh count me out uh has similar production uh to Unif- united in grief um uh, it's very angelic singing in the beginning uh this one's kind of like about self-love and how he doesn't need us to affirm him which, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be, like, a celebrity rapper, I feel like you kind of need to just, like, have self-love rather than care about what we think. Um, you know, you make the art, and then we just re- react to it or just, like, have our opinions online. But I feel like that shouldn't really bother the, the person unless, like, it's, like, really shitty. But, like, uh, like a big day by the chance the rapper... He sh- he should be affected. I don't think Kendrick should be affected. If anyone says this album sucks, I don't think Kendrick should care. And plus, also like I really liked uh, the one line of um, on uh, "Count Me Out" of like anytime I-, I couldn't find God, I still could find myself through a song. 
many find the life on a phone. Which, yeah, I feel like um, Kendrick definitely like divulges himself in music, where a lot of us um, will <laughs> just be addicted to our phones, just be scrolling on social media. Which, like, I was talking to Ryan off pod about that the other day, where it's just like it feels like like Instagram is kind of pointless unless like you're trying to make it into something, because like I mean. Some people, you know, they just go on it for fun, which, you know, there's no problem in that or anything. Like, sure, like, if you want to go on Instagram, if just getting likes just makes you happy, then that's good in a sad way, I guess. <laughs> but, like, yeah, and like, I don't know. I feel like people should just, like, use Instagram as kind of like a tool, like us. But, I mean, you know, to each your own. And then, like, I like how he starts, like, opening about his, like, he says, like, he wants to start opening about his, like, relationship and how, like, he, like... He wants to talk about how everyone feels like he's going to fall off, um, which is, like, I feel like that's a conversation Kendrick has never really had really thoughts of, at least, like, on albums. Like, I feel like he's never really discussed himself in that tone, um, which then leads to the next song, uh, Crown. Crown's okay. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely like, my favorite. Um, it's basically just about how he can't really, like, please everybody. Uh, with this album, or I guess, like, does he mean damn, maybe? Um, even though, like, he says, like, you know, like, everyone, like, goes around and says, like, oh, like, I love your music, I love everything you do, but, um, yeah, this song just feels like a, like, kind of like a J. Cole-type song, of just, like, I'm the greatest, you know, even though some people say that I'm not, like, it, it just doesn't really feel like a good, a good Kendrick song, but, I mean, it's still, like, a solid song, even though it's not, like, my favorite. Um, and then it goes into the next song, Silent Hill, uh, with Kodak Black on it. Um, this song, um, it kind of sounds like it's something off of, like, like in the beginning, kind of reminds me of, like, the Childish Gambino album that he did last time, the one with the numbers. Kind of just, like, a southern twang thing, like, at least, like, in the beginning. But then it cuts into a, um, kind of like a mellow trap vibe after that, which sounds, like, pretty nice, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the chorus is pretty catchy. Um, like how he's just like, I'm pushing these bitches off. Like, huh. like <laughs> I, I, I really, I thought it was funny. I, I really enjoyed that part. And um, plus, like, it made it like light enough to where like when Kodak Black came on, like Kodak Black didn't sound like the most ridiculous person. In fact, like his verse was pretty solid about like coming up uh, from his struggles, uh, growing up broke, and like now that like he's a family man. And, like, he's trying to make money and everything. Like, uh, it, it really did become, like, a solid track. Which then leads to, like, a pretty strong run, uh, I think, like, on the album with a Savior um, interlude. So, on this interlude, like, I thought it was pretty fantastic. Um, the intro with um, Eckhart Tolle, or Tolle, um, whichever one. Uh, if only Ryan was here to tell me if I'm, <laughs> how to say the name. Um, like... It starts with that person. Uh, it sounds like a, like a professor or something, and they're saying that like um, like a psychology professor, and they're trying to say that like uh, you derive your sense of identity from being a victim, like um, that if like bad things happen to you as a child, it changes um, your sense of self, which I do kind of agree. I studied psychology in college, um, and whatever happens to you like as a child it really does kind of determine how you end up as an adult not saying that like you can't overcome it uh with therapy and a lot of self um a lot of self thought but like yeah um it definitely is like a very solid philosophy and then like when baby keen comes on uh he just comes in and he's rapping his fucking ass off on this track um like he like his he comes out and he's like you ever seen your mama strung out while you studied division your uncle uh ever stole from you day after christmas seen both of those in the county jail visits the first and the 15th the only religion Whew, oh my god like it, it just like he really just like punches you like with rea his reality of just like you, you can't tr um you can't trust your uncle like that like your mama's like on drugs and the first 15th like i think that's a reference to like welfare checks as well um so and like treating it like kind of like the only religion like it's kind of just like that's how high in regards the welfare checks were for him growing up 
Um, and, and then, like, he just keeps going on with some great bars of just, like, uh, talking more about his uncle. He's like, my uncle would tell me the shit in the movies could only be magic. This year, I did 43 shows and took it home to buy him a casket. <sighs> my God. Damn. Like, that, that was a fucking cold line. And then, like, how he was able to turn, like, a brick into a Porsche. Um, saying that he, like he's still able to like come up with all this money and shit. Plus the violins on this track, um, make it like pretty classy. And when it ends in that like p- like couple of piano chords at the end, um, it makes it really sound like the situation is helpless. Um, which then is a perfect transition to Savior. Um, and in this song, like Kendrick is just like honest with us, saying that he is not our savior. J. Cole is not our savior. Future is not our savior. Uh, LeBron is not our savior. Like, even though, like, we look up to these people in today's culture, these people are not your savior. You don't know these fucking people. Like, <laughs> like, like, even though, like, like these guys are, like, your heroes, I guess, um, they're not really should be your savior. Like, like, being a fan of these people aren't gonna, it's not gonna save you. Like, it, like, you need to do the work yourself. You need to kind of just like set up yourself in a way of just like not uh, you just gotta set yourself up in a good um in a good position like these people aren't gonna save you and then keem comes back in on this song and he kills it on the chorus like are you happy for me smile in my face but are you happy for me which like i I feel like i've been in that like kind of situation of just like where like especially like working on this page where people will smile and be like oh i'm a fan or like Oh, I really like what you guys are doing. But then, like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess it's, like, the tone in their voice or just the way that they smile. It just seems disingenuous. Like, it just seems like like they're just saying it just to saying it. Like, they're not, like, the biggest fans. Uh, not the biggest realist fans. Like, they're only saying because, like, damn, like, what, like, why didn't I hop in on that when I had the chance type of thing. Um, and, like, I like this song, too, because Kendrick really makes, like, a point about, uh, about rap, saying that, like, it's, like, it, it, like, sacred to be crucified about a song, but they won't admit it, uh, and being politically correct is kind of, like, more, like, important than getting the message out now, which, like, you know, back in the day, like, Public Enemy, uh, Tupac, like, all those people, um, in the 90s, like, they were more obsessed with getting their message out than, caring about the other people's like feelings um which you know like think of it um think of it um you know think of it yourself um (laughs) you know like you can either think of it of like oh like you know that's being rude but it i don't know i feel like back in the day and kind of just like the subject matter on here I i don't think kendrick really cares about our sensibilities more of just like we he just needs to get his message out like, like, he ends this, this sh- song, like, super hard. Like, I just really enjoyed the last part. I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, the struggle for the right side of history. Independent thought is, like, eternal enemy. Capitalist posing as compassionate by offending me. Yeah, suck my dick with authenticity. Yeah, Tupac dead. Gotta think for yourself. Yeah, heroes looking for villains to help. Uh, I never been sophisticated saving face, being manipulative, such a required taste. I rubbed elbows with people that was for people. They all greedy. I don't care for no public speaking, and they like to wonder where I've been, protecting my soul in the valley of silence. Yeah, that that, that shit was it was pretty hard, and I think it kind of summarizes like everything that the song was kind of about and what this album's about. That, like, you know, we got to be independent thinkers. You got to, like, you can't think that, like, people are going to come in and save you. You got to save yourself. Like, you got to come up with your own opinions. Um, You got to stop looking around for help. Um, You know, you don't, like, stop being fake. Uh, You have to be authentic. And which I really appreciate in today's day and age because I feel like a lot of people can get away with, um, with being fake. It's a lot easier now, I guess, especially with, like, social media. Because you can just post whatever you want and people will will believe it or won't believe it. But, you know, we'll see. Which then leads us to the one of the controversial tracks on this album, uh, Auntie's Diaries. So, uh, when I first even heard of this track, I heard a, uh, a lot of, like, outrage on Twitter. And so I'm like, okay, so, like, 
I need to like listen to the song and see what the fuck is up. So in this song, um, it's about how Kendrick's um, aunt um, transitions into a man and how his cousin transitions to a woman. Um, and in this, uh, he says the F slur a lot, <laughs> like, like, which is, come on, Kendrick. <laughs> like, I, I get what you're saying that you want to be an ally for the LGBT, LGBT community, especially, um, the trans community, but using the F slur is probably not the best idea. Um, like, I totally get what he was trying to convey by just saying it over and over again. Like, you know, it it wasn't the viewpoint of a kid of they didn't know better that like back in the day, like, like people used it as a punchline uh, rather and rather than like, you know, noticing or realizing the, the fucking the heft of it. Um, yeah, which like, I feel like, like probably not the best way to do it but once again like kendrick doesn't really care about your sensibilities it's more about the message of what he was like trying to say and i think like he somewhat saves himself at the end by bringing up that one time when he brought up uh that white woman to sing on his song and she said the n-word and like everybody was mad at him by putting her in that situation um (laughs) yeah it was a weird situation and uh i'm not saying that like that completely saves him but like i i guess i like his argument at the end of the song was being like um like the only way for the f slur to to not have as much heft is if we need to let white women say the (laughs) n-word like like as ridiculous as that sounds like like that's how ridiculous using the f-word now is um because, like, you know, unless, like, because, like, if a white woman says the N-word, then that's just as wrong as Kendrick saying the F-word. It, it, it's just, like, it's like apples and oranges of the same racism tree, I guess. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's really I have to say about that. Um, just so you guys know, I mean, I personally don't think he really needed to say it. He could have used something else to help his message, a, a pro-trans message. But I don't know. He 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 still needs to learn, I guess. Like it's like one of those things of like we just expect uh, celebrities to be as woke as us and to know what's up, and that's just not the case. Um, going on to the next track, Mr. Morale. Um, uh, this sounds like a beat that it could be like kind of like on the Black Panther sand- soundtrack, which Kendrick Lamar also made. Um. It really did remind me of that. Um, the Sam Do is heavily auto-tuned, and it's fucking great. I thought it, uh, their part was really great. Antenna Leon uh, sounds great on this track, too. Uh, kind of sounds like Pharrell, though, a little bit, which I feel like a lot of the people featured on this album, like, they kind of sound like other artists. Like, I, I, like, um, like some of them sound like SZA, like, uh, like Amanda on the first track kind of sound like SZA to me. Um, and then, like, I think on the same track, too, I forget the guy's name now, but he kind of sounded like Kid Cudi to me. Um, but, yeah, um, that's what I gotta say about Mr. Morale, though, is that, uh, Tana Leon sounds like Pharrell. <laughs> but, uh, Kendrick does, like, on this track, though, like, he opens up about, like, the sexual abuse trauma, um, and that him and his family kind of went through, and how it affected it. He really starts, like, wondering, like, if it never happened, like, would he be where he is at today? In fact, like, he even asks, like, um, like, he even brings in, like, R. Kelly and asks, like, if he wasn't abused, like, would he be in jail right now? Like, would he have done those crimes? And, and like, he was wondering, too, if Oprah found closure. Like, like these two um, black people in our c- culture have... You know, like, they have a past with sexual abuse. And it's just, like, interesting how they both went in two separate ways. And if they were both able to overcome it. Um, it's also wild, too, with um, how he brings up how uh, his cousin Keem um, was so successful, even though his mother was uh, dealing with drug addiction. I, I think, like, um, his main point of this song was just talking about the generational trauma that he and a lot of people go through. Um, and just, like, how they 
like sometimes you know you come up and you have like a best-selling album next other times you're committing crimes yourself you're perpetuating the same cycle of abuse um which then leads to the next song mother i sober and yeah when i first heard the song i didn't really think of it too much but until i started to divulge myself into the lyrics and i teared up a bit i thought it was really emotionally charged and it was just so good um just to give you guys more context of what the song's about uh kendrick is kind of talking about witnessing violence uh, to his mother and um as a child and like how he just felt so helpless and he kind of just brought that trauma on him and just carried it with him throughout the years that like it was even traumatizing too because like um another moment when like his mother kept on grilling him asking if uh his cousin touched him like and 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 that was traumatizing for him even though that nothing happened and that his cousin didn't touch him but just being asked multiple times like 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 she didn't believe him like he was trying to hide something like he just felt like he was very like kind of scarred by just like the thought of it um but then like he also finds out too that um his mother was also sexually abused um and that like his uncle got revenge for his mother um when she was abused too like his uncle beat the shit out of the the person who did that to his mother um which you know that's something that kendrick uh, knows a lot about revenge um but then, like, he also, like, admits that, like, um, he doesn't really do drugs to cope with it. He doesn't really drink. Like, he doesn't really do things too crazy. However, he does cope with the trauma, with uh, with sex with women, uh, his lust. Uh, he's very lustful, and he's kind of admitting it, which is, like, very therapeutic, I guess, of him on this album to kind of like come to terms with that uh you know it's kind of like a theme throughout this album as well and yeah it was very um yeah it was very sad and then like um and then like he makes his argument saying that this generational trauma started from when his ancestors were raped um when they were slaves and then like when that happened people started raping people within like their families and within their culture and it kind of just brought down this generational trauma just over and over and over again this cycle of trauma just kept coming and coming and coming and at the end of the song um since kendrick was able to recognize this uh cycle of oppression he was able to put a stop to it and have a family that isn't exposed to that who who doesn't really think about it much and it ends with like his kid and his wife saying like that he broke the curse like they're finally free they're free to kind of like make their own decision and not fall in the same cycle which then leads to the last song on the album mirrors um which starts off with kodak black saying i choose me which is the a big song a big theme of this song well, especially like on the chorus too, how he's just saying that he keeps choosing, like he keeps choosing himself. Um, but yeah, Kendrick admits that like, he can't keep up with this lifestyle of being like our savior, and that like we need him to save us. I guess, yeah, which not really like like save us literally, but I guess like I guess be more aware of of social issues, which kind of got me thinking too of just like the album cover for this album of him with the crown of thorns with his family of like he's kind of has to choose to be like this christ-like figure or a family man and in this track he answers and says that he chooses me that he doesn't want to be uh, a christ-like figure he wants to be with his family and his kids and um yeah even though the, the chorus is pretty monotone i still kind of enjoyed it um he doesn't really like he he doesn't want to use uh personal pain to make uh his music anymore which like you know i can't really blame him for that but uh can you really have like good art without pain and yeah that's how, like kind of how the album ends with him kind of just being like I, i'm it's kind of like a goodbye actually which I hope it's not a goodbye for for now. I mean, as a big Kendrick fan, been a fan of his for probably the last 10 years. And I guess just like 
seeing and hearing a, a goodbye track, like it doesn't make me feel too confident he's willing to come back to rap about his pain. Um, yeah, and so that's the album. <laughs> After going through it track by track with you guys, um, yeah, overall, I I like this album. I do. I really do. I I don't think it's his worst. I mean. Okay, I think it like this could be his worst album, but his worst album is still very good. Like, I'm not gonna say that like I hated this album. I enjoyed a good chunk of it. Um, you know, it's kind of like reading like a literature book of just like old English, like a Shakespeare or something, where it's a very good story, but it's just very difficult to get into, and especially casually, like you need to go in with the purpose of. This is literature. So that's how I kind of felt about this album. Um, for a grade-wise, yeah, I'd probably say it's probably a B. Um, the production wasn't the best for me. It didn't really stick out much like beat-wise. But I think just like his lyrics were just so punching and just so, just so involved, I guess, with him and personally. Because I feel like like it, it's like I mean it's not like rare that Kendrick would rap about himself, but it's rare that he does it in this personal way, um, where like he just wants to talk about like himself and not like a society as whole or using himself as an analogy or metaphor for like bigger stuff. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this project. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed my solo pod. Um, definitely went on <laughs> some crazy rants in the beginning, and if you stuck with me till the end, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks you all to for listening and sticking with us, and yeah, uh, check out our pod, um, check out our website, our website is being updated, we're coming out with some new music reviews, um, work on some big things, I mean, just wait for the summer. It's going to be like a totally new page. Ryan and I have been talking every day about how we're going to make this page better for you guys. And, yeah, Um, please stick with us. Thank you for everything. Really appreciate you guys um, listening and giving us this platform. Really appreciate it. All right. Peace out. Bye.